Alright, hopefully this is going to work now. Um, Alright, hopefully it works now. Sorry about that uh, previous attempt. Uh, for you, for those of you that, that don't know, I just tried to live stream through a scheduled event kind of a stream and um, it didn't work. There was audio issues and uh, I couldn't see chat really in real time. Everything was delayed funky, so I'm not sure what's up with that, but, um, but hopefully this is working. So hopefully folks can make it in and um, we'll get going here in just a minute. Hey, here, have a seat. So this is my daughter, Hannah. Well, hey, Papa Doubles, welcome, glad you're here. Um, Papa Doubles, I, I just had a, a weird experience uh, trying another stream. The audio was bad, things weren't working. So can you just tell me if things are good, um, if you can hear okay and all that, if things are going okay on your end. Hopefully they are. So anyway, welcome to the stream. Hopefully some other folks will get in shortly. Um, it's good, excellent. Eddie Laycock, good, thanks for coming on in, Eddie. And sorry about that previous attempt. I, I tried a different function on YouTube because I wanted to announce this in advance so people would actually know when the stream was. If you're gonna eat in front of everyone, maybe that's not a good idea, so maybe go off camera. Um, so I um, <laughs> wanted to make it so you guys would know when it was and schedule the event and all that. And so I used a different kind of stream on YouTube and yeah, that didn't work. So I'll have to figure that out, but not today, not today. <laughs> anyway, glad it's working. So got some folks in here. Good. Welcome. Welcome. So I had fun today. Um, it's a, it's a really busy day for me, but most days are. But uh, the kids and, and my wife and I took a little break and went and played basketball today all together. And that was awesome. And it's kind of embarrassing, but my, my, daughter, is, my daughter is a better shot than I am now. So I got to get back into it. I was really good in junior high. <laughs> you know, so. Um, all right. Welcome, welcome. Um, Flynn's fish form. Hey, Flynn, just stopping in for a minute. I'm going to go to the LFS and grab some plants from my tanks. Awesome. What plants are you planning on getting? Um, I'm going to guess. Let me guess. I'm going to guess Anubius, um, some kind of Java fern. I'm guessing Anubius. That's my guess. Let me know if I'm right. Harold, hello from Montreal, Quebec. Welcome. Danny's Aquariums. Hey, hello. Another Danny. Great name, man. Great name. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and um, I think I'm going to draw the second winner now. I don't like to do that thing where you force people to watch to the end, um, you know, and kind of make them watch you even if they don't want to and and then give them a prize. <laughs> so Danny's Aquariums, what? $1,000 giveaway. Wow. Yeah. So um so let me explain what's happening for, for some folks and um, what the rules are and how this works in case you didn't know. And then I'll draw the winner um, right after that. And then um, if people want, we'll, we'll chat a little bit until people have, you know, are like, okay, yeah, the chat dies down and stuff. And then we'll call it at that point. So what's going on is I got a thousand subscribers recently on YouTube which was great. It took like 
it took like a year <laughs> just grinding out. So I was really happy when that happened. And so um, <laughs> that's my daughter, Hannah, wandering around back there. Um, so I was happy when that happened. So I was like, how can I do something cool that will uh, celebrate that, thank the subscribers and just just be awesome and make it so maybe it doesn't take another year to get the next thousand subscribers, you know, draw awareness and things. And so I came up with the, this giveaway event, this contest, if you will. So what's happening is, is I'm giving away a thousand dollars of aquarium fish at dancefish.com. And how that works is I drew the first winner yesterday for a hundred dollars. I'll draw the second winner for another hundred dollars today right now in a couple minutes. And then every day through the 21st, um, I will draw another $100 winner. So that's 10 days, $100 winner at 100 bucks a pop. So that's $1,000 we're giving away. In addition to that, if you go to dancefish.com and create an account, you'll get an automatic $10 um, uh, credit applied to your account right then automatically. So, well, it's not an addition. If you win the $100, you get $100. Um, if you sign up, you get a free 10 bucks. And then if you win the $100 contest, I increase that to, 10, to, to $100. So anyway, hopefully that's clear. So that's what's going on. So there's several ways to do that. If you go to the website, dansfish.com, there's a, uh, a Gleam widget right there at the homepage. It's right at the top, easy to find. And if you click on different things in that widget, in that window, you can do different activities that get you points towards the drawing. So if you do one thing, like if you um, like the Facebook page, then you click on the button in that widget screen that says like the Facebook page or visit the Facebook page or whatever. You do that, you click on that button, that takes you to my Facebook page. You do that action and then that gives you one point towards the drawing. Then you could also um, subscribe to the newsletter on the website. There's a monthly newsletter that I do, and I don't spam you or anything. It's once a month, and it, it's, it's not huge or anything. It's like one sheet that talks about a cool fish, um, something cool that happened in the hobby, something like that, and then um, maybe a special that I'm running, and maybe something, some cool trivia about Dan's fish. Just short and sweet, and... So you could sign up for that. That would give you a second entry into the contest. Then you could, um, there's a couple other things that you can do as well. If you share it with, to, to folks, if you share the uh, giveaway contest, you get another entry each time you share it. So you can, the more actions you do, the more likely it is that you win the $100 drawing for that day. So that's, uh, well, not for that day, for the entire contest. So if you entered the first day, you could still win on the ninth day, even if you did nothing else. It, it carries through the entire 10 days. So that's what's going on. Um, hopefully that makes sense. So yeah. Uh, hey, Owen, glad it's working. Glad you're here. Um, you'll be at 2000 subscribers in no time, says Danny's Aquarium. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, man. That year long grind <laughs> to grind out a thousand. Whew. So I, I hope so. I hope there's some traction and that people like the content. And the, I mean, I'm having fun. If you guys are having half the fun I am, then I think we'll do okay. Um, just share it on Facebook. Great, Flynn. Thanks. Hopefully you did that through the widget on the on the uh, dancefish.com website so you can get a point towards the drawing. Um, if not, next time you do, go to that widget and then that automatically enters you into the contest. So 
Danny's Aquariums, what if you're not in the U.S.? I know. Yeah, it's for the continental United States only. I'm sorry. Um, shipping live fish to Canada, I'm just, or, or, um, or Mexico or any place out of the continental United States. I'm just, I'm just not set up for it. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do value everyone that doesn't live, you know, in the United States. Um, it's just, there's so many, um, difficulties and barriers put up to ship live animals to other areas. Now it can be done and we'll get there one day. Um, I, I, have done it at other areas I've worked but there's permits I'd have to gather. There's a lot of paperwork and setup and cost associated with that. So, um, and then there's just the, yeah, it's just another thing and I'll get there. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm sorry. So, okay. Danny's groups have to watch the pre replay. I have to go. My mom is calling Grr. All right. We'll see you. You'll see you at the replay then. So, okay. So let's go ahead and draw the second winner. So how this works is I have uh, Gleam, the, the widget I'm using to, to do this whole thing. I'm going to go to their, their site. There's a button there I push to pick a winner. It picks a random winner. Um, and then that's the person that wins for that day. Now, what I, I wish my intention was I wanted to sh screen share while I was picking the winner because just for transparency and because it's fun and all that. Um, Hannah, stay or go? Stay or go, good. Um, but but I did that yesterday and um, luckily I wasn't sharing the screen at that time because it, it, it showed personal information. It showed the person's email address and some things and I, I can't do that. So just gonna have to, just gonna have to trust me a little bit that I'm actually doing this. So. Let's pick the winner. Um, all right, drawing one winner and drum roll. We have, all right, Johnny Cruz from Salado, Texas. You have won a hundred bucks at dancefish.com. Johnny Cruz. So what I'm gonna do is when this is over, I'll go to my website, see if he's uh, signed up for an account. If not, I'll email Johnny and get that set up. Um, yesterday's winner was, uh, Dolores Miranda and today's is Johnny Cruz. So congratulations, Johnny. Um, you've won a hundred bucks and yeah, awesome. So I'll draw another winner tomorrow and yeah, I wish I knew exactly when, so I could tell you guys, um, how do I do this? So once I know when that might be, I'll include it in the comments um, of the original video I made announcing the thousand subs equals a thousand dollar contest. Um, if I can pre-plan that much in advance. So yeah. And guys, I, I'm working on this. I'm, I'm just, I'm figuring out the technology and I'm, I'm figuring out the equipment I need to make this work. I'm, you know, eventually have a nice thing behind me <laughs> and good lighting and all that. But right now, you know, if you wait till everything's perfect to start, you'll never start. So I've got the basics to get it going. So I'm just going to do it and learn as I go. And hopefully you'll go on that journey with me. Um, all right. So that is the drawing for today. Christian, first live stream I've been able to catch. Well, thanks for coming. I am glad you're here. So 
how I'm going to do this now is um, the winner's been picked, all that. You know, folks might be like, okay, now I know, and I'm going to take off and do stuff on Saturday. Maybe it's nice out where you are. I totally understand. But if anyone wants to stick around and has questions or wants to chat about fish, um, feel free. And I'll keep going for a while as long as there's activity. And once that kind of peters out a little bit, then, uh, then we'll say, okay, it's time to cut this. So we might go for two minutes. We might go for half an hour. You know, just depends on how active the chat is. So thanks for being here, guys. Um, you know, I, I do want to tell you about something that I learned actually a couple days ago that I, I never knew this. So I have this strategy that I use, and I know a lot of other people use it too, to feed my catfish because I have a lot of, a lot of species of Corydoras and a lot of them are in with very active fish like rainbow fish and different barbs and things like that, that, that are very quick to the food. And so when I feed them, the quarries don't necessarily get enough food and catfish can eat a lot. Like quarries will eat a ton of food and they need to, to get in breeding condition. Uh, it's one of their main triggers. So, so I have this strategy where after the lights go out, I come down and I, I drop a bunch of food in the tanks for the quarries so that they can eat while the other fish are asleep, presumably, right? Well, Flynn's fish form, I'm sticking around until I got to go to my LFS. Good, glad you'll be here. So um, the other night I had, I, I fed the, uh, I did that. I went around and dropped food in the fish tanks that have corridors in them. Um, right a, a little bit after the lights went out and then I did something for a little bit and I came back down and I looked in one of the tanks and I saw a big ball of fish around. I, I had fed chunks of rapashi and it sinks to the bottom. There's this, just this big bar ball of a uh, roseline barbs all around the food. I was like, well, that's weird. So I took out my uh, phone and I turned on my flashlight and I shined it in there. And sure enough, all these roseline barbs were ganged around the food, eating it, and the quarries couldn't hardly get a bite. Um, those roseline barbs, man, they are, they're quick, and they're, they're right on that food, and they take big chunks out of it, whereas the corridors don't have the, the mouth aperture to really take a big chunk out. They kind of suck and nibble little bits. Um, so they feed a lot more slowly on something like rapashi it's not like a worm that they can just suck it up and be done. They have to work at it to get it off. And so I was like, well, that's weird. So I went and I looked at the rest of my tanks and it, it was working fine in like the rainbow fish tank and um, the Tetra tanks and uh, the angelfish tanks and things like that. Uh, the quarries were eating and the other fish were, you know, off snoozing and it was great. But when I got to the Odessa barbs, there was a big ball of Odessa barbs all over the food. And when I got to the clown barbs, big ball of clown barbs all over the food. So apparently that strategy doesn't work for all fish um, that you're keeping with your quarries. So I wonder if I have to do a little more research. This is the first time I've like even knew that this could happen. I thought that the barbs would just go to sleep at night. But um, I wonder if because of their barbels, I wonder if that just allows them to locate food really easily, even in the dark. And so maybe they're not as diurnal as we thought. Maybe they, maybe they don't go dormant as night quite as much as I thought. So I'm wondering if because of their barbels, they can sense the food and eat it. Um, and maybe that's the difference between them and say the rainbow fish and the tetras 
and the angelfish and such. So, so I've got to straight, I've got to change my strategy this whole time. I thought it's not every tank. It's only a couple tanks where the quarries are mixed with those fish. Um, and I, I mean, I have a lot that are, are not in that situation. So I've got to move those out um, and do something different. You know, this whole time I thought I was doing right by those quarries by coming in at night and feeding them, making the effort to make sure they got enough food. But, but I don't think they were. So, so something to be aware of if you have catfish in with, say, barbs, um, maybe cyprinids in general. I don't know if rasboras do it or, or uh, danios, things like that. I'm not sure. Um, I just have the roseline barbs, the Odessa barbs, and the clown barbs that were doing it. Um, but be aware of that. If you have catfish, they need food, and, and that might be a problem for you. All right. Flynn's fish form. Got to go. All right. Have fun at the LFS, man. Have fun. All right. Go down. Eddie. Hi, Dan. I've been enjoying watching your recent videos. I'm in England. Shame you can't ship. Yeah, that's a tough one. What's the best starter fish to start breeding? Um, let me ask a follow-up question. Do you want a live bearing fish or do you want to try an egg laying fish? So let me know which you prefer. Um, well, maybe I'll just talk about both of them real quick. So if it's a live bearer fish, then it's, it's whichever live bearer does best in your water, whichever's hardiest. Um, whichever one the pet stores and carry a lot of, and there's a lot of folks in your neighborhood that keep successfully would be fine. Guppies are always super easy. Um, platys can be easy. I like swordtails as well. I know they're a little more aggressive, but a um, little assertive, but I really like them. Um, so live bears are super easy. And here's what you do with live bears. In my experience, um, you just fill the tank with plants, live plants, if you can. Um, I use water sprite. It floats on the top and you can't kill it. It's super hardy. And you just feed the adults and a few times a day, uh, you know, one to three times a day, four times a day if you can, but one or two times a day, they aren't really that demanding. And then um, the fry will be eventually released by the females. They'll go up to the plants and a lot of them will just survive in there. And then when you go to feed, if you're feeding flake food, just crush up a little bit when you're feeding on the surface for the, the babies. Um, just make sure every time you feed that there's something small that the babies can eat. Maybe squirt some baby brine shrimp in there. Uh, maybe it's a, a small pellet, like a small golden pearl pellet or something like that. And those that's super easy. You just raise them right there in the tank. Um, egg lane, okay. All right, so um, Brent, I see your question and I will, um, I'll answer it in just a minute. So Eddie, egg lane, okay, and you're keeping rainbow fish. Um, so can you tell me what kind of rainbow fish it is? If it's uh, one of the pseudomugil species, like a fricatus or something like that, those are really easy because the eggs they lay are pretty big. And so when the fry hatch, they can immediately eat, uh, say, baby brine shrimp or easily microworms. If it's one of the like Melitaniata species or um, some of those, sometimes those eggs can be pretty small. And so the challenge with small fry is just finding a food that they can eat um, that's small enough for them to eat that you can provide regularly. So um, if I was doing the way I do rainbows, and I have this whole video on it, if you uh, watch the Wapoga Red Laser 
uh, breeding and keeping video that I have, I go through the whole process of, uh, first I talk about the fish and stuff, but then I show you um, the mop I use. I pick some eggs out. I explain in detail how I incubate the eggs. And then I show how I uh, take care of the fry when they first hatch. And then I move them on from there. But basically here's the process. You have rainbows. Um, the process would be you put a, a mop in there. Well, there's two ways to do it. The easiest way would be to have two tanks, put the rainbow fish in one tank, then in a couple weeks, move them to the other one and make sure there's plants and stuff in the tank that they were in. The fry will hatch and uh, you can, a few will survive in there if you're feeding them. But to get a good number of them, what I would do, what I do do is um, I put a, a, a spawning mop made out of yarn and a cork floating in the tank with the rainbow fish. Make sure that it's uh, like a ray, uh, was it a polyester yarn, acrylic yarn. I think that's what it's called. Raylon. I want to say Raylon. Uh, acrylic yarn, but a synthetic yarn, not something like wool or cotton that will decompose in your water. So you put that in there. Rainbow fish lay a few eggs a day. They, they generally spawn daily and they're not like a, a barb or a tetra or something that stocks up a ton of eggs and then goes and spawns and just has hundreds of them. They're not like that. They'll lay a few a day. So hopefully you can get a group of a lot of females because then you can get a lot of eggs. But feed them really well. Feed them a variety of foods and feed them well and as often as you can. If you can feed them four times a day, do it. Never overfeed each feeding, right? Um, but if you feed them, say, if you have live food, great. Give them some fruit flies or black worms. Um, then the next feeding, some, some frozen brine shrimp. Then the next feeding, some frozen blood worms. Then the next feeding, some flake food or some pellet food. Uh, just a variety and often. And the reason you want to do that is the variety ensures they get the nutrition that they need and the balance they need because certain foods are lacking certain vitamins. And then the frequency is just so that they have the energy to produce as many eggs as possible. Um, eggs take a lot of fat and fat is basically energy. They're little balls of energy. That's what they are. Enough energy to get a, a young life going. That's what an egg is. And so feed them heavily. If you do that, then hopefully the females will produce uh, as many eggs as possible for a fish that spawns a few eggs a day. So you do that. Uh, rainbows generally spawn in the morning, so let them go. Um, it, it helps if you don't have other fish in there that'll eat the eggs. I, I mean, I keep a lot of mine with quarries and it's fine. I don't notice a big, a big problem with the quarries eating the eggs, but there are fish in, in certain kinds of shrimps uh, and things like that that'll just go and hunt eggs. So don't keep them with those if you want a good yield. Um, and then you let the eggs harden for a few hours in the mop. If you, if you collect the mop right when they're spawning or right after they spawn, then the egg membrane isn't set quite yet because it has to remain uh, permeable for the, uh, for the male sperm to fertilize it. So after it's fertilized, it gets pretty hard. And so wait a few hours. I would wait till the um, even early afternoon or if you work, when you get home from work in the evening, uh, whatever that schedule is. Give them a few hours to harden, take out the mop, and you can squeeze it pretty hard. Don't wring it really hard, because that's enough to, to burst the eggs. But if you just take it out, 
and wring out the ex and not wring out, but squeeze out the extra water, then you can do that. And usually the eggs are just fine. They're pretty tough. So do that. And then um, I put them in a small container of water with a few drops of peroxide in it to prevent fungus. I change 100% of that water um, two to three times a day with fresh aged aquarium water, but from an aquarium that has no fish in it or anything. So basically I take tap water, run it through carbon to take out the chlorine and then bubble it for a few hours and then use that water. And then they'll hatch in a little um, couple weeks say, and they usually hatch at night. So you'll come in in the morning, there'll be babies there. And then I take them and out from there and I put them in a small plastic container, um, like a little plastic shoe box type thing. Sprinkle some golden pearl powder across the top. It's really small. It's like 50 microns. I mean, it's small, five to 50 microns, I think. You can use uh, rapashi powder. You can use, uh, those are the two that I've used. I prefer the golden pearls because they're, that's all small. Whereas rapashi, some of the granules will be a little big. So, um, and then they won't be able to eat those. And then that's more likely to foul the water. So that's what I feed them. In that container with them is a little clump of like java moss. You could use water sprite, you can use any plant. Um, I put in some decaying leaves in there. I have a cherry shrimp tank that, and that I keep, uh, that I put leaves in every few weeks, dried leaves, like from local hardwood trees, and they gradually break down. So some of those that have started to kind of break down, I'll grab some of those and put them in the container with the fry. And then I put in a snail and a cherry shrimp to help kind of a few snails and, and a cherry shrimp or two to help uh, eat the, the waste, the food that isn't eaten and things like that. And then I change that water whenever I change the water on the eggs two to three times a day, same, same kind of water. And that way you can overfeed quite a bit so that there's enough food in there that the babies find it. And, um, and those are really small foods. So it's the, the powder. And then I also use vinegar eels too. Every time I feed, I do vinegar eels and then I sprinkle some powder on top. And that's how, that's how I do rainbow fish. They take a while to grow. Um, I've got a couple hundred like Wapoga red lasers right now. They're, they're getting on an inch, but that's taken a couple months. I mean, <laughs> they ain't no killifish. Killifish grow fast, but, um, but they're worth it. They're awesome. So any rainbow fish you could treat that way. The pseudomugils are easier because their eggs tend to be bigger. Gertrude eggs are a little smaller, but, but pseudomugil like fricata, that, those have some pretty big eggs. And those babies can eat uh, like newly hatched brine shrimp right off the bat, microworms. And so as the babies grow, no matter which species they are, um, you gradually increase the size of food. So um, that's how I'd handle that. Let me know if you have any follow-ups. Um, all right. Okay. I'm, okay. Let me click down on the next question, which was uh, Brent Quick. I just won an auction for three twig cats wild. Uh, it's the Vitatus. Any advice? Well, first, let me look that up so I make sure I know which species that is. And if anyone else has uh, experience with that, I think it's Farawella, right? Um, it's the Vitatus. That's just the normal Farawella. If anyone else has uh, experience with that species, then please feel free to chime in and let's see if we, if we can't uh, help Brent out. Yeah, Farwell is. So um, here's my advice for Farwellas. 
Well, let me talk about some unique challenges to keeping farewellas first. So the main challenge with a farewella is you won't know that there's a problem with it until it's already dead. In fact, you might even know that it, not know that it died until quite a while after it's dead because they're so stationary and they have this armored body. So it's hard to see when things are going wrong with them. That's one of the main problems I think in keeping them. There's a lot of fish that when there's something wrong, it's obvious their fins clamp, they stop moving around as much, um, their appetite diminishes. But when you're looking at a farawella, um, it basically just stays stationary all day, most of the time. And so it's hard to tell if its activity is diminishing and if its appetite's diminishing and all these things. So that's the challenge I think with keeping them. Um, the main thing is to make sure, I think, that they get enough food. So you wanna keep them in a well-aged aquarium. Um, if you have algae and stuff, keep the front pane clean, right? But if you can leave the algae on the sides and on the back of the aquarium, that'll be a big help. If you can get some pieces of wood in there um, for them to, to scour over, that would be fantastic. A lot of surface area with just biofilms and algaes and stuff growing on it would be, would be helpful for them. Um, that's, I guess, my lowdown on farewells. So if someone else has, has other advice, um, yeah, please feel free to chime in. But congrats on winning the auction. And they are a cool fish. Um, oh, they want clean water too. Uh, I think most, most fish do, but farewell is, uh, okay, I think I'm remembering this right. They come from pretty much flowing water. And so it's, they're going to want it pretty clean. Um, all right. Eddie Laycock, Egg Lane. Oh yeah, sorry, Eddie, I already answered that question. Christian Parnell, were you able to find something to keep the beetles in? I haven't had the time to look, man. Um, there were some good suggestions, like these protein shake bottles where you can unscrew the bottom. Um, so that's a good suggestion. And there was another, there were a couple other good suggestions, but I haven't had the time. Um, and you know, I tried feeding them some more and the fish just aren't really that excited about them. So I don't know. I think I might be giving up on them. Just, uh, the fruit flies work so well. I wanted them though, cause you know, to have another dimension to the diet and add a layer of nutrients that the fruit flies don't perhaps provide, but I don't know. I might, it's just a time thing. It's just a time thing, but yeah, those protein shaker bottles might work. Okay. I didn't test it though. Kyle's Wild World. Hey, caught another stream. Yes, you did. Glad you're here. Eddie, I have Bosmani and some blue rainbows. Yeah, so the breakdown on breeding the rainbows that I went through, that'll work with them. And those guys have small fry. Uh, I assume you're talking about Lesustris, the turquoise rainbow, when you say blue rainbows. So those are going to be small fry. So be patient, keep the water clean, and keep food in front of them all day long. That's, that's the deal. All right. Pal Joey, 1957. Um, wait, did I skip some? Oh, Pal Joey. Okay. I'll, I'll go down to you, Pal Joey, and then kick back up. Um, first of all, absolutely love the screen name. <laughs> I know the show. <laughs> I'm an entertainment, entertainment kind of geek. So awesome name. And I, I think I remember chatting with you a long time ago. So you've been doing this with us for a while. So thanks. Um, Egg layers first, 
is to find out if egg scatterers or eggs that adhere. Yeah, then configure tank accordion. Yeah, that's sound advice. So the rainbow fish, um, they're not egg scatterers, right? They'll deposit the eggs in mops and things like that. So, but that's right. If they're a scatterer, then you set it up basically for, for scatterers. I mean, there's these, these kind of basic setups. And if anyone wants to know more about how to set up an egg scatterer breeding tank, um, I can go into that in a little bit. Um, Kyle's Wild World. Dan, I got a question for you. I have an eight gallon cube that I'm going to set up for my father. Oh, cool. I want to stock it with micro or chili raspberries. Good. I have hard alkaline water. Will they be okay? Absolutely. Um, yes. So I have a confession to make. I have not for over a decade worried about, um, if the fish will do well in my water. And in that whole time, I've only had two problems with fish that didn't like my water. And I'm actually having them right now. <laughs> um, but I've kept hard water fish in soft water and soft water fish in hard water. It's all about keeping the tank water clean. And it's all about keeping the parameters stable. And um, yes, I've seen chili rasboras kept in super hard water uh, all over Los Angeles doing just fine. Now I have seen them kept in like basically RO water as well. And there is a difference. I mean, they do color up more in that soft water. So there is a difference, but as far as health um, and their activity and their longevity and even being able to breed them, I know of a lot of folks who have done that in, in hard water with a lot of soft water species. So it's about keeping the water clean. The problem with soft water is that there's no buffer. And so you build, you can crash the pH um, pretty easily because you get the, the different things decaying and stuff in there. And that can cause a, a pH crash because there's no buffer, especially, you know, carbonic acid and some things like that can result. But if you keep the water clean, you don't get the buildup of the decay or the, the byproducts of the decay building up to such an extent that it crashes your pH. So clean water is the solution for soft water. Hard water, the problem is if you put a soft water fish in hard water, then it's exposed to a ton of different kinds of bacteria and stuff that it doesn't experience if it's collected in the wild. Because in the wild, water that is soft is generally acidic. And if it's acidic, bacteria has a hard time growing in it. Acidic environments are fairly sterile when it comes to, to bacteria. Um, so if you take a soft water fish that's lived its life in this acidic environment and you put it in hard water and the water's not clean, you're probably going to have problems because that alkaline water just fosters bacteria growth. Bacteria does great in alkaline water. So keep hard water clean to keep soft water fish in it. Keep soft water clean to keep hard water fish in it. That's, that's the solution. Now, the trouble I'm having this time, and again, I've been doing this this way for a long time and had no troubles. This is kind of the first time that I have since I can remember actually, um, is I have some Santa Maria endlers that are not doing well. And the only thing I can think of is that they were probably raised in hard and probably somewhat salty water and are just not doing well. Now, I lost a lot. There's this core group that's holding on and is acting normal and eating well and all that. So I'm hopeful that they'll do okay. I'm hopeful I can get some babies out of them and that their babies will be more adjusted to my water and I can keep them going. 
but I'm having trouble with them and with desert gobies. I've never kept desert gobies before. I did get one spawn out of them, but then they just started. Um, the only thing I can think of for them is soft water as well, that, that they came from perhaps some really hard water um, and are not doing well in the soft water. Now, I can't confirm that either. I haven't like, you know, paid for a necropsy or anything like that. Um, you know, so I could be totally wrong. Maybe the soft water has nothing to do with it. But, but the trick to keeping fish in parameters they're not used to is to keep the water clean and keep the parameters stable. The worst thing you can do is try to keep lowering your pH to uh, match the fish's environment. Unless you go high tech and get an RODI system um, and have a storage tub where you can make the perfect batch every time and keep their parameters stable even if your water is really high out of the tap. If you have somewhere you can soften it, keep it completely stable and, and then put it in the tank and it stays stable in the tank, you'll be fine. But usually messing with parameters is a problem. Yeah, all right. Um, Zachary Mayhew, oh wait, do I have to go up? Did I miss anyone? Zachary Mayhew, uh, who won? I didn't get to the live stream on time. So the winner was a gentleman named Johnny Cruz, and Johnny lives in Salado, Tejas. So Johnny won today. We'll draw another winner tomorrow, though, and eight more winners. Um, so yeah, congrats, Johnny. So um, CNH Aquatics, hello. Well, hello, CNH. Glad you're here. I uh, already talked about child joeys. Hello, Hungar. Hey, Kyle, thanks for the super chat. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's the second super chat I've ever gotten in my life. So it's, it's like a thrill. I bet after years of getting super chats, the thrill wears off. But right now it's like two bucks. No way. That's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Um, Pally Joe, marbles in low water level for egg scatters plus a few plants. Yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. Um, Christopher Graysek. Hi, Dan. I'm wondering if you think Corey's will do okay on eco-complete substrate. So Christopher... Um, I'm not the person to ask that because I've never used that substrate. Most of my tanks are pretty darn bare. I've always been a breeder first. Um, breeding fish is what intrigues me. Um, the spawning behaviors, the colors, the strategies they employ to, uh, to spawn and, and some protect the eggs, some guard a, a rock or a nest, some keep them in their mouths, some carry them on their lips, some... You know, there's all these different strategies. Some just scatter a million eggs and maybe one survives. You know, um, that fascinates me. In, in taking in a fish through the process of a generation from spawning to egg to fry to, you know, juvenile up through, I just love it. So I've always been a breeder first. And when you're breeding fish, you're concerned about waste buildup. Um, you have to keep the water clean in order to keep the eggs from fungusing and all that. And you have to keep the water really clean so that the, the babies don't um, have a problem. The easiest way to keep water clean, in my experience, is to do a lot of water changes, of course, but also to have a bare tank because then there aren't a lot of crevices and stuff like EcoComplete, if I filled the tank with that, there'd be a lot of places for debris to go and accumulate. Um, and so because because breeding is kind of what I've, always done in this hobby for the most part. Um, that's how I've set up my tanks. It also makes it a lot easier to like know where the eggs are because if it's a bare tank with one spawning container or something, then that's probably where most of the eggs are. 
if it's eco-complete and planted and all that, um, then they could be anywhere. And if you put a mop in there, they might lay in the mop, but they're probably also laying a lot of eggs in the plants and a lot of eggs in the gravel and things like that. So I've never used it. Um, I would, someone here, a lot of people here probably use eco-complete and other planted substrates. So could someone chime in and let me know or let, um, let Christopher know? I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure people do it. Like, doesn't Bob Steenfont keep quarries on eco-complete? I can't remember. Um, Zachary, congrats to, jo congrats to Johnny. Yes, of course. Kyle's Wild World. I do run Rodi and Mix Tap. Oh, oh R-O-D-I. I'm all Rodi, like rodeo? <laughs> like a band Rodi? <laughs> Groupie? And Mix Tap Water for my, gil my uh, Killy and Betahendra. Yeah, as long as you can keep the parameters stable, um, that's the trick. The problem is when people put hard water in their aquariums from their tap, and then try to doctor it in the aquarium and it just yo-yos up and down and eventually that's just going to kill your fish. What kind of killies do you have? And have you, bed the, have you uh, bred the betahendra? That's a species I haven't tried yet um, and I want to. They're the green ones, right? Like an iridescent green on them. Am I right about that? But what species do you have, Kyle? Um, Mimi's Aquatics, congrats to the winner. Yes, Johnny from Tejas. Thomas Perkins, I just left my first aquarium club meeting. How'd it go? Where was it? Did you buy some fish? Was it an auction or was there a lecturer? Like what, what kind of, uh, what kind of meeting was it, Thomas? That's awesome. Um, Jim Hanley, do you are more popular than Eagles? Oh, Dan, you are more popular than the Eagles Falcons playoff game. Well, I hope so. I mean, look at this mug. Who wouldn't want to come watch this for a while, right? <laughs> um, Thomas Perkins, why am I the only like? That's a good question. It's like a philosophical question. It's like a thinker question, right? Um, all right, Mimi's Aquatic Treasure. I'm like number eight. Oh, cool. Um, so anyway, Kyle, if you're still here, I wanna know what, what kind of killies you have and if you've been able to breed those beta Henry yet. So um, it's been, oh, 42 minutes, so I'm probably going to uh, shut this down soon. I feel like I've reached the bottom of the chat. If anyone has any specific questions or comments they want to make, uh, make them now and we'll keep going. And if nothing appears in the next few seconds, then we'll just call it good. We'll do this again tomorrow, give away the next winner. And um, I don't know the time yet. If I can pre-plan, uh, tomorrow's nuts too. If I can pre-plan, then I'll announce it as soon as I know. I'll put it in the comment section and pin it to the top of the comment section in the um, original video I did announcing the contest. Okay, that's how we'll do that. Um, Pal Joey, I'd like to hear from anyone who attended the King of DIY meeting at Brooklyn Aquarium last night. Yeah, if anyone, I would too. That would be awesome. Day 5 Aquatics, just here to say hi. Hi. Mission accomplished. Like check that off the list and feel the flow of the good endorphins because you you did it. <laughs> that's how, that's how I roll. I have these long to do lists, and every time I check something off, I'm like, yes. <laughs> it makes you feel like you have control of your life, even though you yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes you don't. Um, thanks for pronouncing my name right. By the way, everyone doesn't lol. Well, hopefully I can do it again. <laughs> Zachary Mayhew. Um, Thomas Perkins, I hate eco complete. I'm not a fan. 
The only thing I can grow in that tank is algae and duckweed. Yeah, I've never tried it. Um, how about other folks? Anyone else here keep an eco complete in their tanks and how do they like it? Um, I've just never tried any of those. I, I try to really avoid nutrients in my tanks. And so <laughs> a substrate that encourages uh, nutrients in the tanks is, is just something I try to avoid. So just because of you know what I'm doing, which is breeding. Um, I run all my tanks dirted. Cool. I've heard that works really well too. Um, as long as they don't move anything, right? I've never done it, but that's that's the word on the street. Yeah. Um, so Kyle, now that you're back, what kind of killies do you have, man? And, and I was curious if you bred this betahendra or not. If you've bred, <laughs> I forgot the R in that word. If you've bred the, the betahendra, because that's a species I'm interested in. So if you have, I'd like to hear about it. Um, it's a clay baster. Cool. Um, day five aquatics. I had eco complete in a tank for a while. Liked the look didn't grow better than my dirty tank, but was a cleaner look. Yeah. Is it black? Right. Um, am I wrong about that? I thought eco complete was black or maybe it comes in different colors. I don't know, but personally, I like a black gravel on a tank, a black bottom. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. I'm, I'm hanging out a little longer because I really want to know about those Achilles and those bettas. Thomas Perkins, great. We had a discussion about live food and I picked up some snails. Cool. And I'm going to go pick up some multis later this week. Awesome. So um, live food, there's, they aren't all easy. You know, some of them are a little bit challenging, but in general, there's a lot of live foods that you can grow super easily with very little maintenance not much cost, and you can have a great supplement to your fish's diet. And if you're trying to breed fish, there's there's a lot of good quality processed foods now. There didn't used to be as much. There's a lot of uh, you know good quality frozen foods available, and there's you know rapashi the gel foods. They're all great. Um, we used to rely almost exclusively on live food though to bulk up our breeders because the quality of the food back in the day wasn't as great, but even though the food's improved, I still feel like live food is just a key element in the balanced diet. And I feel like it really helps trigger breeding on a lot of species. And if nothing else, it helps them just have some kind of interactive experience. They're chasing down a fruit fly or they're, you know, it's something for them to interact with, which is cool. Um, so that's cool. And you picked up some snails. Awesome. Multifoschiatus, I assume, are the multis you're picking up, Thomas, the, the little Tanganyikan shell dweller. Is that right? The striped guys? Um, Kyle's Wild World. I have Niger Deltas. Oh, Blue Galeris? Showed a steady. Blue Galeris have to have the hardest species name to pronounce. I've never known if I've been pronouncing it right, but they are Fundalopanchex, that's the genus, and then like Showed a steady or something like that. Um, the problem with a lot of fish names for me is a lot of them I've never heard. I've only ever read. So I'm never quite sure on the scientific names if I'm saying them right, <laughs> you know, because I read them, but hardly anyone says them out loud for me to hear. So in the people that do might not know if they're saying it right either. So I'm always wondering. But yeah, um, and no look on the Hendras yet. Sorry, I'm continuing Kyle's comment. I switched on you. Um, I have them in a breeding tank and just waiting for bubble nests. 
Cool. Well, Kyle, if you end up breeding those Hendras, would you chime? Would you contact me? Let me know how you did it, what the experience was. Uh, that's a species on my list that I would like to try very much. How about the blue Galeris? Let's see here. If, if he says any more, I got them off Aquabid from a local breeder, the Hendras. They also upload to YouTube as Arlington Bettas. Okay, so they're available Arlington Bettas. Yes, all blue Galeris. I fell in love with them as soon as I saw them. How could you not? Um, for those of you that have never seen a blue Galeris, Google it. But if you've never seen one in person, what's going to be missing on every picture and video you see is the beautiful iridescence that's all over on them. They, they, they have these areas on their body that just kind of sparkle and these veins that are just kind of glow under the right light in the fins. They're amazing. If you ever see one in sunlight, it will your jaw will drop. Um, they're also a larger killifish, so um, four inches easy, um, larger, larger all the time. And um, they're... They're amazing and they're gorgeous and they're fairly easy to breed too. The, the trouble I've always had with them, I bred lots of them, is I'll get tons and tons of eggs, but I'm not always as successful in, in hatching the eggs. Um, sometimes I am and I'll get a great yield and then sometimes like the vast majority will fungus. And I don't know if it's fertility issues. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but they're an interesting fish and they're worth the effort though. Um, Danny's Five Aquatics. Are the white cheek gobies on your site freshwater or brackish? They're, they're completely freshwater. That particular fish that I have um, never goes to the ocean. It doesn't go in brackish water environments and the babies in, don't grow up in brackish water environments. A lot of gobies, um, even if they're a freshwater goby, like a, uh, um, oh, the name will come to me. Um, even if they're a freshwater goby, a lot of them, in order to breed them, you need a saltwater uh, time because what happens is the babies hatch in freshwater, but then flow down to brackish or salt environments, hatch, develop a bit, and then swim back up into the freshwater to live and spawn, kind of like salmon, but maybe longer term in the freshwater. Um, these don't. So these come from freshwater environments. My understanding is that they're kind of the the place they live in rivers and stuff and then the the eggs and fry f float down to a, uh, a lake where they kind of do the same thing as they would do in an ocean on a different species so um pure fresh water and they're in really soft water here and they're doing great and i i actually saw a male claim a pipe and i thought he might be sitting on eggs but he's not but he's colored up and he's he wants to be so i'm my fingers are crossed there um all right, lots of sunglasses, isometric aquariums. Cool, cool, cool. Kai's Wild World. I also keep Florida flagfish and a native killie. You have Zebrenis, so are you in Texas or Kansas? Are you in that area? That's, I love that fish. That's another beautiful fish. Um, for those that don't know what that is, that's worth a Google too. A lot of native killifish aren't that colorful. And a lot of times when you see a picture of Zebrenis, they're not that colorful, but when you see them, you know, kept well in, a, in, in an aquarium, sorry, I'm getting excited. Um, I, I haven't heard anyone else talk about Zebrenis for years. So you're blowing my mind, Kyle. Um, they're a larger fish. They can get four inches. I've seen them bigger than four inches. And the, 
they have the males have these kind of bold stripes on them and then some locations get like a blood red tail bright orange tail and i believe the dorsal and anal fin as well so they're a really neat fish and of of native killifish they're one of the prettiest cool fish yeah i'm geeking out on this kyle this is awesome so glad you're here um thomas perkins basically all the information was things you covered in your videos he did not look at me like I was on crack when I said, he did look at me like I was on crack when I said Rice Krispies for worms, for microworms. Yeah. If you haven't tried it, you'd think it's crazy, but it works really well. Cool. Um, well, did you get any cool cultures? Is there anything you're trying, Thomas, like a new live food that you picked up there? Um, Kaya's Wild World. Yeah, mine spawns. So we're back to the Blue Galaris every day. I can pull... 100 eggs every other day, but I have a lot of trouble incubating due to fungus. I did somehow manage to rear one male Niger Delta. The best luck I've had with the uh, Blue Galeris was I would separate males and females. And then I would put them, this is unusual for me. Usually the tanks are bare and all that, but I put them in a tank with a layer of gravel, not too deep, but some gravel and just choked full of Java moss. Like, so full of plants that it might be hard to find the fish. Put them in there, leave them in there for about a week and feed them live blackworms. Then I would take them out and there's a sponge filter in there. Um, I've also done it with an under gravel filter back in the day. Then take the parents out after about a week and just let it sit. And in a couple, three weeks, you'll start seeing fry appear and they'll appear in pretty good numbers. That was the best way I found to do that. Anytime I started picking them and handling them, I'd run, run into fungus issues too. But if you have a spare tank that you can set up, I got pretty good yields that way. Um, and we're still talking about uh, blue glares here. And I attempted to hatch a dish of fungus niger delta yesterday, but I can't see any fry yet, yeah. Yes, McKinney, Texas, they are all over the place. Oh, man, I can't do it right now, but Kyle, I might be hitting you up later and, and seeing if, if I can't convince you to collect some for me and, and I'm happy to pay for them. Um, man, I love that fish. They're hard to find here. Uh, Thomas Perkins, I saw some blue galeras at a local shop. One of them had a white fungus on its head, so I had to pass. Oh, that's too bad. The males have a bright red dorsal and anal fin with nice zebrinus stri zebra stripes. Yeah, so the fundalus uh, zebrinus is what we're talking about there. Um, Kyle's caught a four-inch male. Yeah, four-inch plus male zebrinus, sure. Thomas, I'm really excited for the killifish to get here. I fell in love with those fish. I've been a native killifish junkie for years. Yeah, native fish are pretty awesome. Um, Kyle's Wild World, hmm, thanks for, I'll try that. Okay, cool. Yeah, feel free to contact me anytime once the weather warms up. Cool, Kyle, I, I'm, I might take you up on that. Um, I haven't seen that fish in a long time, and it's it's a cool one. Do you breed them? Are you spawning them? Or are they so, like, abundant in your area that it's like, nah, <laughs> I can go collect one anytime. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, confused flower beetles seem easy. I'm going to try those. They are. Let me give you a couple uh, pointers on them. Um they're super easy. So first of all, you can do it with just like whole wheat flour. That's fine. But I've got the best results when I would get like, 
I do a mix of whole wheat flour with some rice flour um, and some other flours that I could find like at a health food store. So the base would be whole wheat flours and then I'd supplement that with a few other kinds. Um, and keep them in that. And it just takes a little bit of time. What's gonna happen is they're gonna, over time, they'll just expand their population. And what you wanna be feeding is the, is the larva, um, the worms, right? They're about a quarter inch long. And maybe the beetles, maybe some fish will take the beetles, but I never found any that would. But to get those out, what you do, one of the problems with these guys is when the larva molt, they create just this whole layer over the top of the culture of shed skins, like, like snake skins, right? Like dried shed worm skins as they, as they develop. And so you want to pretty regular and on a regular basis, open the culture up and like fan it or blow on it or something to get all those off, like take it outside and kind of fan it. And that'll keep the surface kind of clear of that. And that'll allow it to be easier to, um, to harvest. So the way I always harvested those is I would take some flour and run it through a sieve, um, you know, just strain out the flour and leave behind the, the little worms. Now, you'll also get a bunch of pupae in there when you do that and some beetles. And you can take the time to separate them, but it can be difficult. So I always ended up just leaving them together. Um, one, one trick, though, is that the, the larvae have these fine little hairs all over them and they kind of trap flower dust all in them. So before you feed them, if you're feeding uh, fish that feed on the bottom anyway, you want to put them in a container with a lid, fill the container like half full of water, close the lid and just shake it up real good. Um, that'll get most of the flour off and that'll allow them to sink better. So that's something to be aware of with them. One thing to watch out for with them as well is they'll eventually populate to such a density that even though they're kept on dry flour, the, beet the beetles themselves will be respirating and create a real humid environment and you'll start getting mold and stuff building up. So when the population density starts to get really high, like start a new culture, um, somehow limit the population or increase the ventilation or something so that uh, you don't get it'll just turn nasty. The first time it happened to me, I was real surprised because I, it's a culture that you can just set up and kind of forget for a long time. All it is is flour, right? But so I had some going for a long, long time. And then I didn't look at them for a while and I came down and it was just moldy and gross. So just be aware of that. But that's a cool food. It's super easy, super cheap. Um, confused flower beetles are pretty awesome. Uh, Kyle's Wild World talking about Zebrenus, a fundalist Zebrenus. I've not tried spawning them yet. Native fish keepers told me how to though. I haven't spawned them because I don't want to create a fish. I can't rehome responsibly. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to put it back out in the wild or something. So yeah, that makes sense. I've been trying to get darters in the hobby. Um, there's, a, there's some really great places for darters. Uh, Jonah's Aquariums and Sachs uh, Aquaculture out of Florida. Um, or sackets. I bought a lot of native fish from him over the years and they come in pretty well. If you've never tried darters before and you want to breed them, um, one of the easiest ones I found is the orange throat darter. It's beautiful. Um, it, 
same coloration maybe as a rainbow darter. And they, um, if you can get a population that is from pretty far south, then they can take the water a little warmer than a lot of the darter species can. And the way you breed those is I just kept them in a bare tank. Um, I kept the water really clean, um, had some sponge filters in there. And I think I put a power filter in there too for good flow because they like that. So it was pretty much bare. Then I'd put a rock here and there to break up the flow so they could hide behind it. And, and you know, like in a stream, there's some rocks. And then I took a dish, like a shallow uh, plastic dish, and I filled it with fairly small gravel, not sand, but fairly small gravel. And what they'll do is I, you're probably going to have to do some kind of cold period if you can figure that out, cool them down for a month or two, and then gradually heat the water back up. And when the water hits about 65 degrees or so, they'll start coloring up really beautifully and they will, the males will coax the females into the gravel and they'll inject the eggs into the gravel. And you just have a, a shallow layer of gravel in it, um, say quarter inch, half an inch, and it's pretty fine. Again, not quite sand, a little thicker than sand. And you can do two things at that point. Once you've collected a bunch of eggs, left it in there for say a week or so, you can take the, that container out and put it in another container to hatch them. And, and that works great. That's the easiest way. In fact, that's what, that's what I ended up doing all the time. But the eggs are also pretty sticky. So if you, if you wanted to, for some reason, you could dump out the sand and a lot of eggs will be stuck on the side and bottom of the plastic container. And you can deal with them directly there. I would just leave them in though. I'd put them in like a five and a half, 10 gallon tank with some flow and they'll eat baby brine shrimp right away. They're, they're easy to raise in my experience. Um, yeah, they're awesome. Kyle's Wild World. Native fish keeper told me 80 degrees and large water changes after a period of no water changes for a few weeks to help induce spawning. Yeah, I know they like it warmer. Uh, the fundalus is a Brennus. Yeah. All right, skipping down here. Christian V, I'm loving your content. Tanks from the Netherlands. Off to BWWD. Thanks, Christian. Glad you were here. Thanks for watching. Um, What's BWWD? I'm sure that I should know that. I'm going to look that up later, but I hope you have fun doing that. Off to bed. Oh, oh, cool. Have a good sleep. Um, all right. I think, yep. I think it's time to shut this down. It's been a little over an hour. So thanks everyone for coming in. Um, especially Thomas and Kyle, everyone else that contributed too, but it was nice to geek out, especially with Thomas and Kyle, cause we got, we got off into some fun tangents. Um, Hope you all have fun and have a great rest of your day. I will tune back in tomorrow to announce winner number three. Um, and until then, have a great one. All right, stopping, 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 stopping.